Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. If you were here last week, you remember we started our Bible study with the illustration of fireworks. Do you remember we talked about fireworks? And since we were going to start with the Declaration of Independence, we started out our study with the difference between these wonderful fireworks we, that we ooh and ah. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? The night begins to, to get dark and you just, oh, it's exciting. We're celebrating our Independence Day. You get that perfect little spot where you're looking up and then the show starts. Boom! You hear that first boom and it's just this brilliant fireworks just all over and you're just like oh and then in anticipation you wait for the next one and the next one and the next one and the next one and eventually what happens is you you ooh and awe your way to what they call the grand finale and, bah, 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 bah. and everybody's like yeah it's it's so exciting we talked about that we talked about how beautiful the colors and the patterns and the way they but then i don't know if you've noticed if you sat there long enough, the smoke begins to clear. And what's left as you're looking up is the beautiful, the beautiful night sky. And there's something even more brilliant than the oohs and ahs that you were looking at just a few minutes before. It's the stars. It's the stars, and you're like, wow. It's the brilliant, bright stars. Now, let me give you a side note, okay? If we live in a big city or semi-big city, you know that there's, there's light pollution. So when you go outside and there's all these lights, you look up, it's not real bright. But if you go out into the country, you get out into the mountain area where there's no lights, I'm telling you, it is an ooh and ah experience to see the stars. It's beautiful. But we got to get away from the, the pollution, the light pollution. You look up and it's like, oh, wow. And I would bet, church, we've lived long enough where we really don't look at the stars that much. We may go outside and we'll get in our vehicle and we'll drive on off and we're making sure nobody hits us and so forth, but we never take time anymore to sit in the backyard and just look up. Just look up. Now, the point I had hoped to make last week is this. The fireworks that we see, the fireworks that we go, ooh, ah, wow, well, they represent what I would call happiness in our lives. Happiness. But oftentimes, like the fireworks, the circumstances that bring happiness, or they're short-lived. Oh, wow, oh. You see, you and I, if we're being honest, we ooh and ah through the happy circumstances we face every day in life. We ooh and ah. For example, if you go to work and you get a raise, hey, by the way, we're going to give you X. Wow, that's an ooh and ah moment. Yes, I got a raise. All right, yeah. Or, or maybe you're in line and somebody blesses you with a vintage. Oh, sorry, here's a vintage coffee. What I ordered us. Oh, praise the Lord. Or somebody buys you a vintage coffee. And that's an ooh and ah moment. See, listen, church, 
from the small, small things to somebody blessing you with a coffee or whatever it might be, to the big, big things, whether it's a raise or, oh, man, we got that house, we got it, I didn't think we were going to get it, God, you're so good. That's an ooh and ah moment. When those things happen to us, we're happy. We're happy. Yes! It makes our day, doesn't it? And you walk around with a smile, and you're just like, man, man I'm, just, I'm just having a good day. I'm having a good day. You won't believe what happened. You know? and, and we start to pinpoint circuit. But, but here's what I want you to see. When, when, when the show's over, when the show's over, and the grand finale hits, what happens? We go back to our same mood, don't we? And after the smoke clears, you're like, oh, now I have to face the traffic home. And everybody's trying to get out. And what happened to the great mood is like, hey, hey, can I get, can I get in? Hey, oh. did you see that car try almost hit? And this is how we're trying to get home after a beautiful day of celebrating our independence. Come on, somebody. You guys know exactly what it is. You got the traffic, you got the people. Everybody's trying to get home. And now all of a sudden you're, 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 well, maybe we're not so happy, are we? Listen, what Paul is trying to teach us is that it's not the fireworks that bring joy. But when the smoke clears, it's the everlasting stars. So even when you and I are dealt a bad hand, or we've had a bad day, or we've had a bad month, or you've even had a bad year, I'll be there for... No, the wrong song. Oh, sorry. Um, we as believers can still have joy. We can still have joy. To illustrate the point, I want you to think about this. Fireworks in our lives, not literal fireworks, but fireworks in our lives bring happiness, but they're short-lived. They're short-lived. But stars appear even after the smoke, and they remain forever. And see, that's the essence of joy. That's the essence. It's long-lasting, long-lasting. Now, last week, if you weren't here, this was our introduction to the book of Philippians. And Philippians is the joy of the Christian experience is really dominant through the whole book. But we, we had to make a distinction because, because a lot of people go, happiness and joy, are, they're two different things. Happinesses are based on circumstances, and, and sadness is based on circumstances, but joy is forever. Well, this is what he's going to talk about. And if you're taking note, joy or rejoice is used some 16 to 19 times in this whole book. And so Paul is obviously onto something that he wants to communicate to us. You go, what's that, Pastor? Well, the book of Philippians conveys a powerful message about really the secret of joy. And I want to learn all that God has for us. So as Paul wrote the letter to the Philippians, what does he do? He writes it, well, it's not like any of the other letters. Because what you'll notice is that most of the time Paul says, Paul, an apostle, he's, he's establishing what God has done. But with the Philippians, he's not gonna, he doesn't need it because they're family. 
And so what he does, he goes, hey guys, listen, I love you guys, and I want to express, oh, my gratitude, how thankful I am, and oh, just the affection I have for you. That's the essence of the letter. You see, the Philippians, they were the strongest supporters in the ministry. And most scholars agree, and I do too, not that I'm a scholar, but most scholars agree that Paul drafted this letter during his two years of house arrest in Rome. But I want you to think about Paul. How could he write a letter of joy? How could he write a letter? Because when Paul entered the ministry, you see there were severe hardships. Severe hardships. There were poverty. Paul says, man, I... I know what it's like to be poor. I know what it's like to have good food. He says, in whatever state I'm in, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Okay? So you've got to understand the point. We'll take that verse and we'll jump out of context and and we'll say, man, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, you can't take that verse out of context because then you make it a pretext and it could ruin you, it could kill you. You go, what do you mean? How could it kill me? Well, you could jump off the roof and say, I'm going to fly. I believe I can fly. And say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And you jump off, and then you'll run into a little word called gravity, and there you're done. Well, God said, right, on your way to heaven, well, I don't understand. All things, no, no, you took it out. He says, whatever. I know what it's like. And so, so you have poverty, you have beatings. You know what? They beat Paul so bad, he was left for dead. There he was. And, and, and he even talks about him going to the third heaven. He's, he's left for dead. And even now, here, here's what I want you to think. Even now in his current imprisonment, Paul learned something that you and I want, need to learn. He learned true joy in the midst of circumstances. True joy. How many of us, if we walked out this church right now, got arrested for something we didn't do, and we're sitting in a jail cell full of of a bunch of criminals that smell and are just cussing and all this, would we begin to sing at midnight? I don't know how many of us would. Paul wants to teach us something very, very important. But as Paul writes the letter, put yourself in his sandals for just a moment. Paul's under house arrest. He's in prison. Paul can't freely go where he wants to go. He can't see the loved ones. He can't see his brothers and sisters. He's in communication, and, 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 and he really hopes that, I mean, think about his whole passion in ministry. I need to get the gospel out, and I'm stuck in this prison. Now, I can go outside. I can, I, I'm a little bit free, but I'm not free like I want to be. I'm really stuck here. I'm really, I'm really stuck. Think about that. Now, here's my question. How, church, do we find joy? How do we find joy when you're falsely accused, you're under house arrest, you've been beaten, you've been slapped, you've been spit on, you've been stoned by rocks, left for dead? How many of us would raise our hand and go, man, I got the joy, right? 
How many of us would be singing, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. And somebody would go, where? Down in my heart. Where? Down in. We wouldn't, would we? I don't know how we can do it. There's got to be, Paul, what is it? Well, Paul writes a letter so we can learn. And so that's what I need you to do this morning. Put on your thinking caps. God, teach me. Because we're going to cover the first 11 verses in a message I'm calling the blueprint for joy. For today, listen to me, we're going to discover several items on the blueprint, if you will, of these 11 verses that should bring joy, that should teach us joy in our lives. You go, Ben, remind me what a blueprint is, okay? Well, if you, if, if you go into the internet and you type it up, here's what a blueprint is. It provides a detail, visual representation of how the architect wants to wants a building to look like. So, so I thought that was cool because God is our architect. And here's he going. He's going to provide a detailed visual representation of how your life should look like. So let's see. I want to know that blueprint. Well, let's jump into it. Verse 1 of Philippians chapter 1 says this. Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and the deacons. Okay, so let's unpack this, okay? Let's unpack this and look at our first blueprint of joy. Paul obviously is the author. Paul is the author. You got that? And remember, Timothy helped plant this church. Timothy helped plant this church. Now he says, this, this should only be verse 1, okay? To all the saints in Christ Jesus. So there's a couple of things. Paul says, I'm the author, but who's he writing to? He's writing to the saints. Now what we need to understand and what you need to grasp first and foremost is what I would call a mini blueprint. You go, what's a mini blueprint? You need to understand that he's writing to you. You are the saints. You are the saints, Okay, any believer in here who has put their faith and trust in Jesus is a saint. Now, again, when the church, the Catholic Church got a hold of this, they started to, the church started to what? To, to deify saint. Well, no, you got to do, this is how your life has got to be for you to be saint. So if, if Craig lived a blameless life and he, he sacrificed, well, the church might come along and go, well, we're, gonna, we're going to make him a saint. We're going to pray to St. Craig. But God says, no, I'm not into that. As a matter of fact, here's what I'm going to do. If you're a believer, you're a saint. So you go, well, Ben, that's pretty cool. Thank you. But I don't feel like a saint. And sometimes I don't act like a saint. But here's the beauty. Here's the beauty of the gospel. Listen. When we're in Christ, the Bible says you're a saint of God. If you're in Christ, you're a saint. You're a saint. Okay, so who's writing to you? He's writing to you. He's writing to you. Now, do you see the first blueprint? You go, no, that was a mini blueprint, but let me give you the first blueprint. If you're taking note, here's what you need to see. Okay? The first characteristic, if you will, the blueprint for me to have joy is really simple. It says, Paul and Timothy, what? Notice it says again, Paul and Timothy, bondservants. I want you to underline that word, bondservant. Okay? Because in the Greek, it's doulos. Doulos. 
And it's made up of two Greek words. Now, I know that we're not all Greek here, but I want you to see what it means. Doulos means a slave. Some of your translations might say a slave, might say a servant, but it's a doulos. And then the second word is dio. And it's a verb. It's an action word. It means to bind, to bond, to knit, to tie, to wind. This is what it means. You go, okay. See, while Paul refers to himself as an apostle in other letters, here, notice what he says. He says, I'm a doulos. I'm a doulos, a slave of Christ. When Paul writes this, he's, he's describing, here's, here's the description he sets up, right? Because he's later going to encourage the Philippians to show humility. Paul could have written this letter and go, hey, you know who I am? I'm the great apostle Paul. You should listen to me. I have wisdom. I met with God. It was on the road to Damascus. He could have done all this. He could have gotten prideful. But as a matter of fact, he's going, no, no, no. I want to show humility. Humility. An attitude that Jesus himself demonstrates. How so? Turn over to Philippians chapter 2 real quick. Chapter 2, verse 3 and 8. Okay, 3 through 8. Paul writes, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you, listen church, look out not only for his own interest, but also the interest of others. Wait, what? He says, let this mind be in you, which was also, okay, so have the same mindset as Christ. Who, being in the form of God, did not consider robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a doulos and coming in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So what's Paul saying? Paul says, listen, a doulos means I'm willing to be others oriented. I'm willing to look and, and I want to, but, but you got you to you grasp this, guys, because he says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition. What, what do I get out of this? What do I, well, pastor, you get to be the pastor. You get to stand on the platform in front of all the people and you need to go, I'm the pastor. And you people need to bless me because I'm the... He says, no, you don't do stuff like that. He says, he said, do it in loneliness of mind and esteem, esteem others better than yourself. We should always be looking. How can I esteem this person? How can I... How can I encourage this person? He says, but, but I like this one. Let each of you look not only for his own. So he's not saying neglect your own interest. He's not saying don't take care of you. He's saying not only, but, but look at how I take care of my brother. How do I take care of him too? What does he need? What does he need? That could be a variety of things, and we don't have time to spend on it. But think about this. When you're looking out for other people and you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, it might be the next time you go to the grocery store that, that you pay for somebody's groceries. It might be that you, go out, you guys go out to eat and you're having a good time and you see, you see a lonely veteran over there, whatever it might be, and him and his wife. You go, you know what? I just want to bless them. It's not that they can't pay and you don't know anything about them. But God says, hey, listen, just how about that? Oh, why, why, you know, why are you paying for this? Ah, oh, bless you, brother. You know what? God has blessed me. What am I going to do with this? 
what am I going to do with this? And you're looking out for other interests, but let's take it a little bit deeper. That might be something you go, Pastor, I do that all the time, but what about a single mom? What about the nurturing center? What about going, oh, we got to help. We, gotta, we, we don't just want to hoard it for us. We don't hoard this money. We need to help. What can we do? What can we do? Listen, here's the point. You ready? If you want joy in your life, long-lasting joy, like the star illustration, you ready? We must become a true servant of Jesus. A true servant of Jesus. See, I looked up the word doulos, and it means, it means slave, it means bondservant, but it also means this. It means that you are fully committed. Nobody's forcing you. You are fully committed to Jesus. That's what it means. That full commitment. Okay? Do you guys know what full commitment is? It means when you go to the swimming pool and someone's in the pool and they're saying, jump on in, and you're like, I don't know, is it cold? And you stick your big toe in. Anybody ever do that? And you're like, oh, it's cold. And they're like, jump, jump, jump. And you're like, I don't know. And so you turn around and you slowly do this. That's not committed, is it? But when you look and you go, I'm in. And you take off, ah, cannonball. Like Josh does the biggest cannonballs I've ever seen. So uh, he gets my vote for the biggest cannonball. But, but he's committed, right? And that's what it means. Are you fully committed? And the great theologian, Bob Dylan, who once sang, you're going to serve somebody. He says, you're going to have to serve somebody well. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord. But you're going to have to serve somebody. That was Bob Dylan. You see, Paul and Timothy have found the secret of joy. And it's the service of the Lord. But it's not just... Well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm at church and I'm doing bulletins or I'm mopping the bathroom or I'm fixing lights or whatever. That's, that's serving, amen. Or I'm playing with children or I'm, that's great. Or I'm doing sound or it's, it's a full-on commitment to him. Can I get an amen? Full service belongs to Jesus. Full service. Okay? Something just popped out of here when I said full service. You remember back in the day, Mike? When you pulled up to a, why did he pick Mike? <laughs> when you pulled up to a gas station, it was full service. And all these dudes came running out. See, that was before my time. But some of the older folks might remember. They'd come out and they'd check the oil. They'd put gas. They'd clean the windshield. That's a full service. They were fully committed. Now, your wife lets it get to eat. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but think about this. Think about this. Think about this. This is crazy. This week, if you were, uh, if you were doing our yearly reading plan, in Second Chronicles chapter twenty, thirty-two, thirty-two, said this: Jehoshaphat was a good king, following the ways of his father Asa. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. During his reign, however, listen, he failed to remove. All the pagan shrines. Here's the result. And the people never fully committed themselves to follow God. You go, Ben, what was the point? Well, this jumped out of me like somebody hit me with in the nose. And I wrote on my Bible, what are we still serving that's keeping us from fully committing to God? 
You see, a lot of us go, I want to be, I want to be a good servant. I want to serve Jesus. I really want to serve him. And there's something holding us back. So you see, for Jehoshaphat, he didn't remove the pagan shrines, and so the people said, oh, I guess we could juggle both. We can juggle both. I can do a little bit of this, and there'll be a little, a little bit of pagan shrine here, a little bit of Jesus, a little pagan shrine, a little Jesus. And, 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 and he's like, no. You see, doulos means I, I, I've got to be fully committed to God. Fully committed. I don't want to fight. I'm going to be fully committed. So the question is, right now, the Holy Spirit is knocking on your heart and saying, are you fully committed? And maybe, through the power of the wonderful Holy Spirit, He's bringing up something that is holding you back from being fully committed. We have to, we have to confess that. Say, Lord, you know what? I've allowed, you guys, whatever you, I've allowed, you, you fill in the blank. I've allowed to keep me from fully jumping in the pool. And, and, it, and it's different for all of us. I've allowed relationships. I've allowed grandchildren. I've allowed spouses. I've allowed work. I've allowed, I've allowed, ooh, this, oh, this is from the Lord. I've allowed the past and my own failures to keep me from fully committing to God. Because the devil keeps bringing up and saying, what a loser I am. And I'm afraid I'm going to disappoint him if I fully jump in. And I'm afraid I'm going to disappoint others. So the best thing for me to do is just back off and just kind of serve from a distance. That's not the word doulos. If you want true joy, guys, you want true joy. You see, if we're serving something other than the Lord, it robs you of joy because you're looking at people to satisfy only what God can do. You want to know, and I'm going to run out of time here, but do you know why most marriages struggle? Because the spouse puts puts their husband only in the place of where Jesus should be. Oh, well, you should be, and, 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 and they collide because that husband could never lift, live up to what only Jesus could be. Neither can the wife. So you've got to be careful. You've got to be careful. But maybe it's not relationships at all that we're, that we're struggling with. Maybe we're trying to be satisfied with toys and trinkets, things. Right? Listen to what C.S. Lewis says about that, and I wrote this down. This is a quote. C.S. Lewis writes, I'm not sure God wants us to be happy. I think he wants us to love and be loved. But we are like children thinking our toys will make us happy, and the whole world is a nursery. Something must drive us out of that nursery and into the lives of others, and that something is suffering, end quote. You're like, wow. Listen, Here's what you need to know. According to Matthew's gospel, being a bondservant of Christ is not a drudgery. You don't walk in going, how's it going, Ben? I'm a servant. I'm a servant of Christ. How's life? Man, it's hard. It's, dr- it's a dry. Just, man, God has got to serve Jesus. I mean, I don't have any time for me. That's not what he's talking about. He says, because he says his burden is light. His burden is light. Wow. 
And, and, and not only that, but we also have this promise. He says, not that you've been set free from sin, now that you've been set free from sin and you've become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. Eternal life. So point number one, the blueprint for joy, guys, become a true bondservant. Become a true doulos. That's the first one. Okay, I've got to be a servant. What else? Well, we come to the second characteristics of living a life of joy. It's found in verse 2. He says, Grace to you and peace from God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. General greeting. General greeting that Paul uses, but let's, let's dig deep, okay? For you and I to have true joy in our lives each and every day, you ready? We must understand the grace of God in our lives so that we can live with the peace from God. Can I get an amen on that? Come on, somebody. Grace and peace go hand in hand. But I believe that people live a joyless life, you ready? Is because they misunderstand the grace of God. They don't, they don't fully grasp it. It's hard, it's hard to grasp. So, blueprint number two, to have joy, you need to understand the grace of God. You go, well, tell me what it means then. The grace of God means recognizing that God has forgiven all, everybody say all, your sins. And he's giving you a gift you didn't deserve. That will bring true joy. Because if you understand all my sins are gone, wow, and he's given me a gift I didn't deserve, that brings humility, doesn't it? You're not going to stand and go, well, wait till I get to heaven. I'll tell them fellas a few things. You're going to go, oh, oh, Lord, thank you. I understand. I understand. You see, people take the grace of God, they take the grace of God, and they twist it, they misunderstand it, and then they, they think it's a license to sin. Well, I'm under God's grace, so I might as well. <laughs> and they run. That's what they think. And this, I, mean, I mean, that's not what Paul says. Paul tells us in, in, in Romans, doesn't he? Chapter 6, he says, should I sin that grace may abound? He goes, absolutely, certainly, no. He says, don't. That's not who we are. We're not slaves to sin anymore. So understanding God's grace is not that we have a license to sin. But it's not also something that we have to work for. You see, if I'm just a, if I'm just a good, good Christian boy, I'm, God, God will have to like me and, and I'll get in. And some people really believe, church, listen to me, they don't understand it, so some people really believe that they'll get in, but they'll get in by the skin of their teeth. You know, God's going to grade on a curve, and hey, you made it. You made it. But that's not true, is it? You go, so what is it? Grace is recognizing, recognizing, understanding here that moves to here, that what? God Almighty has forgiven you of all your sins. So when the devil comes to you, Rosa, and says, hey, you're this, you're this, you're this, you're this, look at you, you go, I know. <laughs> I agree. I'm so glad for the cross. Because you don't have to fight and go, wait a minute, no, 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 I'm not. No, you, it was a misunderstanding. You just point to the cross and go, God's forgiven me of all my sins. I'm not trying to sin. I'm not stepping out and going, hey, this is what I'm going to do. I 
I'm going to walk in this. I'm going to walk in this. See, grace is something, guys, that the devil tries to distort. Uh, distorted grace robs us of peace and joy in our lives. Very quickly, very quickly. Do you guys remember the prodigal son? Do you guys remember? Real fast. The prodigal son books it. The older brother stays home. Okay? You're going to get this, and I want you to look it up later. Uh, Luke 15, the, the younger boy finally comes to himself, comes home, and what does the dad do? The dad runs to him, my son! And he gives him a big old hug, and he says, kill the fatted calf. You guys with me? So they're going to have a party. It's going to be, this is going to be, do I say lit? Is that good? This is going to be lit, man. Hey, I'm hip to the times. What's up? But then the older brother comes in from the field, and what does he say? He says, wait a minute. You never killed the fatted calf for me. And then he says something very interesting. Catch it. He says, you never let me kill the goat so I can have a party with my friends. And you go, yeah, what's the big deal? The fatted calf represents just the wonderful, unmerited favor of God, grace. But when we distort it, we don't go there, do we? We try to make something else, like a goat of it. It's like, wow, wow. Look it up, Luke 15, look it up, look it up. The grace of God in our lives, church, reveals God's character and brings joy and gladness. I'm under God's grace. You can smile. What happens if circumstances come your way that you're just bummed? I'm under God's grace. I'm under God's grace. Okay, let me summarize, right? Grace is free, and it's an undeserved gift that God offers us so that we might respond to his call to share in the divine life and attain eternal life. God's grace does not take away or restrict our freedom. Rather, it perfects our freedom. How? By helping us overcome the restricting power of sin, the true obstacle of our freedom. That's God's grace. Ready? The blueprint for joy, becoming a servant of Jesus. You go, amen, a true servant. Committed to him 100%. Number two, understanding God's grace that brings peace from God. Let's go on. Let's go on. Ready? Look at verse three. He says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, Always in every prayer of mine, making request for you all with joy. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident in this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Okay? It was common in the Greco-Roman letters to include a thanksgiving section. But Paul's language here goes beyond your customary expression of gratitude. Ever since Paul first preached the gospel in Philippi, we saw that last week in Acts 16, the believers there had among, they were among his strongest supporters. And when he thinks of him, he thinks of him with warmth and affection. And he prays, you'll see later on, for their love and their wisdom to grow. I want you to notice what Paul says. Paul writes, I give thanks. I give thanks. 
Paul continually expresses gratitude for the, for the Philippians and the benefits he received from them. Now, I need you to catch this. He's not so thankful for the gift. Oh, thank you for the $100. He's thankful for you that God has touched your heart to actually give support. You, you see the difference. Sometimes we're thankful for the gift, and we miss the gratitude for the gift giver. That's good preaching. Ben, Ben, where is the blueprint of joy in these verses? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let me give you number three. Beautiful. If you want to experience true joy in your life, you ready? We need to make sweet, sweet memories in the body of Christ. Sweet memories always brings a joy of heart. Oh. You see, Craig and Genevieve are going to leave. God has called them to a different place in Mexico. But what's going to bring joy in my heart is the memories that I shared with him. The fact that Craig thought that 8675309 was a real number will always bring joy to my heart. That's the, that's the record in the 80s, Craig. You, got, you with me, bro? That's joy. That's joy. That was just classic. Did you try calling it? Yes. He tried calling it. Did Jenny answer? <laughs> I'm kidding, brother. I've got to give you a little hard time. But, but, but seriously, guys, we need to... Oh, this is what Paul says. He says, when I think of Craig and Jenny, oh, that's great joy. That's great, Joe. I'm going to miss them. But it, it prompts me to pray for them with joy. But Paul says, what I remember, he says, the wonderful fellowship we had in the gospel. The gospel. Now, we have to quickly have to do some work. You see, memories aren't about, hey, we got together and we had, and we had a potluck and we visited. That was wonderful. And we had fun and we left it, Craig, or we left it, whatever it might be. He says, no, 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 it's, 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 it's much more. You see, according to Paul, it involves what? He says, first and foremost, it involves that you need to understand we're a community of believers. Okay? Church is not about you coming and sitting, receiving the message, and leaving. God says, you want joy in your life? Get involved in other people's lives. Be a community. Help each other. Pray for each other. Love each other. This is what he's saying. He's saying, he's saying, that's the true church. Your pastor, your pastoral team, your leadership, they can't do it all. But when you guys get together and you do hospital visits and you fellowship here and, and you have all this, that's what grows the body of, of Christ. And this is what he's saying. He says, when we do life together... He says, according to Philippians chapter 2, 3, and 4, New Living Translation, he says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others better than yourselves. Don't look out for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. That all the more in the body of Christ. In the body of Christ. Listen, it's okay from time to time that you go up to somebody you don't know and go, hey, you guys want to go to lunch after church? I just want to get to know you. That's how friendships are made. I don't see anybody who does it better than Joe Mabry. 
Joe will just, come on, let's go. And, and, and he just, that's just, that's what we need to do. True joy. We have to be careful and we go, well, I don't go with those people. I don't even like them. Number two, he says we, we need to support each other and actually the local church too. You see, remember, joy comes when you just, you just give to others. Joy comes. You know, the Bible says that when we give our money to the church, that's a condition of the heart, but you should do it joyfully. And that word joyfully is hilariously. You should be going, <laughs> I can't believe it. God's going to use this in an amazing way. And we're going to reach 72. I mean, think about the millions of people we're reaching across the United States through, through our radio station. Think about, think about just the people around. How can we do all oh, this? Is going to be vacation Bibles go all oh, this. And so you give it hilariously. But the enemy has done such a good job with money that all of a sudden it's like, well, if I give to the church, where is it going to go? And I want to make sure it goes to this place. And, this, and, and then we start being tight with our money. And then we drop it in like this. And give it hilariously. Give it hilariously. That's God. And, and again, the third thing that Paul says he says, we need to be about our Father's business. Look at Philippians 1.5. For you have been partners in spreading the good news of Christ from the first time you had it. Listen, not only are we a community, but we have to be in partnership of getting the gospel out. Getting the gospel out. So if you want true joy, you ready, church? Make memories with those who are walking on the path with you. Make memories. Note the encouragement, though. He says in verse 6, Being confident of this very thing, he who begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Any work that God has begun, listen to me, he will surely finish. In seventh grade, I took my first algebra class. And I passed with flying colors. I think it was a C-. minus. You go, really? Why? Because I would take the equation and I would add all of these things to try to get the answer. You ever do that? Make more work for yourself than what it is? And my teacher just lovingly goes, you know what? You get an A for trying, but you're missing the whole point. And I think a lot of us do that in life, don't we? God began a good work in you and you hinder him every step of the way from trying to complete that work. And God loves you. He says, man, you get an A for trying, but you're going, it's, it's really simple. Let me do it. He who began a good work in you will be faithful. So my question is, you ready, church? I'm going to step on toes this time. Um, how many of us are just stubborn in letting the Lord complete the work? Reminds me of a little kid, right? You ever, you ever try to dress a one-year-old or two-year-old that squirms? You see, I have two grandkids. One of them was very easy, little girl, loves me to death. But my second grandkid is a boy and loves to squirm. And boy, you try to, he's going all over the place. I mean, I've never had that before. I'm like, are these boys? I don't know. I had two girls. I have a granddaughter. Now I have, now I have a son. I'm like, oh. And I wonder if that's how we are with God. 
when he's trying to grow us a little bit. I don't want what comes next, right? Come here. No, I'm just kidding. We don't spank him. I love, I love that we'll progress in our faith because God is committed to transforming us. I just don't want to fight him. I just don't want to fight him. It goes on in verse 7. Notice what he says. Just that it is right for me to think of you, to think of, well, it says you all, but Paul's from Texas, so he says y'all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch both in my chains and in my defense and confirmation of the gospel, he says you all are partakers of me of grace. For God is my witness how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. Look what Paul's saying. In other words, I want you to see Paul's heart here. He says, he says, guys, you guys are always in my heart. And it's so right for me to feel this the way I do about you. Why? Because you guys shared. You shared with me in the privilege that God has given me. You guys don't understand that because of your generosity, because of, of your service here, because of who you are, when God uses me, your pastor at another church, and 30 or 40 people get saved, it's accredited to your account. He says, we're all in this together. No, pastor, you're the one who gave the invitation. You're the one who came, they came forth. No, 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 no. All of us. And so every time I'm asked to preach at another church and someone gets saved, I tell you, thank you for allowing me to go. And in the same way as I equip you in the word of God and you share with people at work or school and they get saved, that's on my account because we're in this together. We're in this together. This is what Paul's saying. <laughs> Why wouldn't I be? You're in my heart. You're in my heart. And he says, now, now that I'm in prison and also while I was free to defend the gospel and establish it firmly, God is my witness. He always calls on God. He's God is my witness. I'm telling you the truth when I say, I have deep feelings for you all. And that only comes from the heart of Christ. Guys, if you want deep joy, if you want to pursue joy, if you want that joy in your life, it's really simple. Love God, love people. Love God, love people. As a matter of fact, it was this morning, I was sitting out there with my cordy, and she was sitting on my lap, and I said, listen, here's, here's a common mistake. I said, if we're not right with God horizontally, right, it's going to be hard to be right with people vertically. It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. And this is what he's saying. He's saying, listen, I'm, te I'm telling you the truth, guys. I'm telling you the truth when I say, I love you. How could Paul say that? I know why. I know why, Craig, because they gave him money, right? I love you. I love all of you guys who tithe here, okay? If you don't tithe here, I don't love you. No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, I love you because we're one in the Spirit. He says, because we're brothers. It's not about the support. It's not about who gives. Paul could care less, and I'll tell you why. Because God is the provider. But he loves the people. He loves the people, guys. If you want to have pure joy, love God first. See, blueprint number one, be a servant, committed to him. And number two, love people. Jesus said to you and I, 
all men would know you're my disciples by the love you have one for another. It's not by how much Bible knowledge you know. People know my disciples by how much Bible you know. People know how much you're my disciples by how much money you give. People know how much, how much you serve by the love you have one for another. Love. Guys, we get robbed of our joy when we forget the vertical and we focus on the horizontal. We must love God, for you see, His heart is that what transforms the heart, our heart, to love others. Verse 9 through 11. And I, and this I pray, notice what he says, and this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, and that you may be sincere without offense till the day of Christ Jesus, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are in Christ Jesus, to the glory and the praise of God. Blueprint number five, jot this down. True joy comes from a prayer-filled life. True joy comes when you have a prayer-filled... Notice what Paul says. Paul says, listen, here's how I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray, here's what he prays, that your love will abound more and more. That's what I'm praying. He says, I'm going to pray that you will have knowledge and discernment. I'm going to pray that you will approve the things that are excellent. And I'm going to pray that your faith will be sincere without offense. These are great prayers. These are great prayers. Now, my question to you is, is mirror your prayer life with this prayer life. Mirror your prayer life with Paul's prayer life. And you go, why? I want to pray that your love will abound more and more. Why? Because if your love abounds more and more, then you will pray for deliverance. You will pray for healing. You'll pray for all of that. I don't have to focus in, well, we need to pray for healing. We just need to pray for We need to pray that we'll love each other more and more. Why? Why? Everybody say why. Because even if we pray for physical healing and somebody gets healed, they're still going to die one day. And so, if we can pray that we love each other enough, we love each other enough to result in salvation, wow, your life is so different. Dude, that's amazing. What is it? Well, it's about Jesus. Then even if I still die from an illness or not, I'm saved. That's what Paul prays. Paul prays, listen, he says that you will have knowledge and discernment. I mean, this is just amazing. And then, and then after he's praying and he's praying and he's praying, he says, may you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. Okay, if we truly want to walk, pursue, experience joy, we must, come on somebody, develop and maintain a great prayer life. It's not an option. Okay? It's not the two minutes that you have between your car and the grocery. I'm just going to pray, Lord Jesus. I mean, it's a real bona fide talking to God prayer life. That's what brings true joy. Because what will happen, guys, is your circumstances will look big, but your prayer life And the God you serve is going to be far bigger than your circumstances. You see, the fireworks, 
ooh, ah, they're about this big. But when you get out to the country or the mountains and you look at the stars, they're this big. It's amazing. Oh. Where's the Big Dipper? Where's the Little Dipper? Wow, where's all that? And it's just beautiful. It's beautiful. If we want to pursue, if you want to experience joy, church, develop and maintain a great prayer life and pray for those we love. Pray for our or their love to abound. To love, you ready? Without hypocrisy, to love with like Jesus. To love like Jesus. Pray for people, for us, for knowledge and discernment, good study habits, and Holy Spirit direction. Pray for knowledge and discernment. Pray that we may approve the things that are excellent. What do you mean? Well, what really matters in our lives? Take a moment to think about all the things that seem important, but really aren't. But really aren't. You see, living a life that matters doesn't happen by accident. It's not a matter of circumstance, of choice. And then Paul says, pray that your life or your faith, sorry, may be sincere. The word sincere is very interesting. It jumps off the page. Because what it is, it means without wax. Without wax. If you, were, if, you were a, if you were a beekeeper and you went to get honey and you pulled out the first part of the honeycomb, you get something called the beeswax first. Okay? That's not the pure honey. It's the beeswax. But it's also too sincere is without wax. Because back in the Roman day, guys, do you guys remember? They'd make these great statues, these great porcelain and all of these statues. And all of a sudden, what would happen is that the sculptor might hit something and knock a nose off. Oh! It's ruined. And what they would do is they would take wax and they would harden it and they'd sculpt the nose and they'd put it back on and they'd sell it until it got out in the sun. And once it got out in the sun, this beautiful statue that you paid several hundred thousands of dollars for begins to run. It's not sincere, is it? So a sincere statue would be without wax. Without hypocrisy. Think about what he's saying. He's saying, pray. First of all, pray for my life that it would be sincere. That there wouldn't be a part of me that if I got out on... I mean, think about this. Maybe it's not the S-U-N, but it's the S-O-N. And if I were to stand before God and His Son, I want to be without wax. I want to be going... Nothing's melting, right? <laughs> you don't want anything to melt off of you. It's like, oh, it goes my hand. Sorry, Lord. It goes my foot. You know, I mean, we're sincere. Our faith was sincere. If you're not, if you're taking note, here's what it means. Examined in sunlight and found pure. Examined in sunlight and found pure. How cool is that? So let's close. The blueprint of joy found in these 11 verses, although we'll continue to see joy through suffering, through serving, we're going to see joy through faith and joy through giving, 
My prayer is remember these five today. Okay? If you want joy in your life, it's found in serving God fully. Can I get an amen? Joy is found in understanding God's wonderful grace that leads to peace. Joy is found in making beautiful memories with the body of Christ. Joy is found in loving God and loving his people. And last but not least, joy is found in a true prayer-filled life. Father, we thank you today for the blueprint of joy. Five things we could pull out. Father, I completely understand expositional teaching. We know what's there. But I love the fact that we can take these things and apply them to our lives. Lord, there's probably more things that give us pure, wonderful joy, but we just looked at five today. Father, thank you. Thank you for your blessedness. Thank you for your peace and your comfort. Thank you for your word. Lord, may we apply them in our lives. Father, we've been challenged. We challenged the church last week, God. We challenged the church real simple. Lord, that we would take every circumstances and trying to find the good in it, not the bad. Not to be negative Nellies, but to be positive. And so, God, I thank you. I thank you. Lord, may your Holy Spirit do a work here today. Because nothing that I've said means anything to, to people who are, who are not in a relationship with you. As a matter of fact, Lord, people who don't have this relationship don't have this joy. And they're going through life with the guilt of their past. They're going through life with emptiness, God. And they're not filled with joy. And so I pray that your Holy Spirit would begin to knock. If there's anyone here, Lord, that doesn't know you and doesn't have a relationship with you, I pray today's the day. They would open up their heart, invite you inside, invite, invite the essence of joy in our heart, which is you, Jesus. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, saints of God praying, is there anyone here today in the sound of my voice that would say, Pastor Ben, would you pray for me? I don't know if I'm in a right relationship with God. I'm not sure. I'm struggling. But today, you were saying some things, and it made me realize I need Jesus. Pastor Ben, I don't have the joy you were talking about. But today, I want to surrender my life to you. Listen, with every eye closed and every head bowed, would you just do me a favor? I want to pray for you. I want to acknowledge you. Would you just say, Pastor Ben, pray for me. Would you just lift up your hand right now and say, Ben, I want Jesus. Would you just lift up your hand? I want to pray for you. God bless you, sir. I see you to my right. Anyone else? Anyone else? Not in that right relationship with God. You've never surrendered your life. You're not a Christian. But today... You're saying yes to him. If you've already prayed this prayer, 
If you already said, no, I'm a believer, I believe in Jesus, then you're saved. But I want to talk about salvation first. I want to make sure if you go, I've never prayed this prayer before in our life, my life. I've never, I've never committed my life to Jesus, then that's who I want to talk to right now. And I want you to lift up your hand. But I know several of us who've already raised our hands that have said, I don't have that joy. And now I've got to do a spiritual inventory in my life and say, Lord, where, where am I with you? Where am I? So if that's you, several of you have already lifted your hands. So if, you, if you're just missing that joy, just missing it. I mean, I don't have that. But I, I believe in God. I've, I've committed my life to him. But you know what? I could use some prayer. I could use some prayer. If that's you, God's been knocking on your heart, that's okay. Would you just lift up your hands so I can pray for you? I saw a couple earlier. Anyone else? God bless you, sister. I see you. Anyone else? Anyone else just going, man, I've, I've missed that joy. I missed it. I, woo, that was good. Pastor, pray for me. Anyone else? Father, I thank you for the hands that were raised. I bless your holy name. Um, we love you. We love you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.